horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks so much for being back with us here at Winning Ponies. I'm glad to be with you. Actually, got a flight on time. Was cutting it close, but we're here live and in person. Well, we've got reviews of Derby and Oaks preps, and we have the best Derby and Oaks preps perhaps of the season come to you. And I say that because... We're getting a little bit close to uh, the first Saturday in May. Don't forget, uh, this is the second Saturday in April. So after that, they race, they get their points, we put the field together, and we decide who's going. Hopefully everybody stays healthy through training. I do believe I've got a column here to tell you who's ranked at the top right now points-wise. Before I get to that, I do want to tell you, because, I mean, it's just, your head's going to be spinning this week because of of all the racing that that you've got to take in. It's going to be fantastic. So, you're going to need all the help you can get, right? Well, I'm going to try to help you tonight with Tom Quigley, a guru handicapper from the West Coast, the only guy I know that has a portion of a track named after him who's not dead yet, Quigley's Corner. And, of course, I got him in between gigs. We haven't had him in a while because he's been busy doing his duties as a racing official at Turfway Park. None other than the one and only Ed Meyer is going to pick up the action in Kentucky for us. And I'll visit over to Aqueduct where they, too, have Derby and Oaks preps. So, my first subject you're going to need all the help you can get. You want to do that with the easy win forms. Had some solid hits in in the last week. How about Tampa Bay Downs, a $1 super high five. Paid over $2,265. And just four days ago at Golden Gate, 2658 on a $1 super high five. And don't forget. If you're watching at night, go on out to Sam Houston, pick up the easy wind forms. A 20 cent Super 5 returned over $3,100. Don't believe me? Go on over to Winning Ponies because they've got all their picks and pans, and they'll let you know when they did well and when they didn't. Easy enough to check. So, as, as I stated, you know, uh, the guy who's been a great fixture for, for years, Tom Quigley who I may not have had on this show for, my God, almost 10 years, uh, shortly after he made a visit to River Downs. I believe he was still publishing Horse Players magazine at the time, but now I see him on TVG, and he's been such a great ambassador to the sport. They actually uh, made him the VIP player concierge at Santa Anita. So we'll uh, check up with Tom Quigley, find out what he's been up to, and... What he's been seeing out there on the West Coast and who he likes in the big races at Santa Anita this weekend. And, of course, as already stated, our friend Ed Meyer will be with us covering races in New York and Kentucky. Now, the official Winter Gulfstream Park meet is over, 
And uh, who finished at the top? Well, great off-putting White Ababario victory in Saturday's Florida Derby. Trainer Safi Joseph Jr. celebrated his first championship ever title at Gulfstream Park on Sunday with 58 winners. 12 victories ahead of Todd Pletcher, the defending 18-time titleist. That's quite a lot to brag about. And in the saddle, it was Louis Louis Saez. Now, he reclaimed the championship meet that had been held by Irad Ortiz Jr. for the past three years. Uh, Saez won him back in 2016-2017. So he, he is back on top and as you know, if you've been betting them, continues to ride well. <clears throat> so, uh, excuse me, folks. I got a bug in my throat on the plane somewhere. But uh, let's take a look because um, this uh, weekend, again, is, is going to be huge. I mean, uh, Saturday is going to be the last three 140, 20, and 10 preps, which are the wood, the bluegrass, and the Santa Anita that we're going to cover for you. So uh, the uh, usually top two in any of those races could jump in and bump horses out of the top 20. And there's already another 13 horses that are mathematically within reach of what we believe is the 40-point threshold. So who are they, John? Don't leave me lurking. Well, at the top with 164 points is Epicenter. <clears throat> Second, White Abario with 112. Tis the Bomb put in a huge race at Turfway Park. We'll ask Ed about that. He's ranked three with 110. At uh, 100 is Cyberknife. Crown Pride, you may not know this name because uh, he is trained by Koichi Shinatani, but you know the European horses have been doing very, very well. And then we've got Simplification, who's been right there all the time. Again, that's just the top six. Uh, then we get down, this is all points-wise now for the Derby, uh, Classic Causeway, Slow Down Andy, they're both in the 60s, Barber Road, Uno Ojo and Forbidden Kingdom that we're going to see race this weekend is at 50, as is Morello. Uh, Zozos at 40. Summer is tomorrow at 40, as is Charge It, Tawny Point, and Smile Happy. Now, remember, these last horses I'm reading could easily be bumped by what happens over the weekend. So there are your leaders right now, the top three, Epicenter. White Abario and Tis the Bomb. By the way, Tis the Bomb, who's been known as a uh, synthetic slash turf horse. Kenny McPeak says he's feeling great. Uh, he raced on the poly, uh, or should I say tapita, and uh, <clears throat> he's just going so good right now. Let's bring him back and put him in the only Kentucky Derby there is. It's once a year. It's on the first Saturday in May. So uh, we've got 18 graded stakes uh, coming up this weekend. Again, we'll try to get to them. Um, let's take a look at some of some of the, the top races we had last week. Again, I'll get a little bit more into the Jeff Ruby stakes 
uh, with Ed because of uh, you know a lot of people saying this is really just a, a race with a huge purse, six hundred thousand dollars that a lot of horses are using for bigger and better things on the turf down the road. Uh, but as I just told you, that's not the way that Kenny McPeak feels. So uh, the Jeff Ruby, of course, going to. Tis the bomb. I love the name of that horse. The Bourbonette Oaks, it was upset time. Longest shot in the field. Rafael Bayarano in the saddle. Candy Raid, a daughter of Candy Ride, got the job done for none other than Keith DeSormo making the trip to Florence, Kentucky. Then at Oak Lawn Park, we had the Oak Lawn Mile, 300,000. 400,000, a grade three. Come on, John, you're not still on the plane anymore. And the winner in here, by a neck, who is last to the half-mile pole, Folsom. This horse has been dancing a lot of dances in grade and stakes races. The last graded stakes win was the Smarty Jones at Parks back in August. Folsom, Florence Giroux, in the saddle, trained by none other than Brad Cox. And then the ladies at Oak Lawn Park. Dream Lith was the favorite and did not hit the board. The winner in here was Ugri, if I'm saying that right, paid 1020. Trained by Rudy Brousset. We'll see him in action this week. This horse was making its second start of 22. Finished third in the honeybee after setting most of the pace and got tired. That's always a good angle to play. Uh, uh, Giroux in the saddle. Again, not trained by Asmussen or Cox. It was Rudolph Brousset the trainer. Second was Beguine, and third was a horse by the name of Bubble Rock. Gulfstream Park, Florida Derby. Hope you got to see it. White Abario settled four wide, took over at the eighth pole, and just absolutely pulled away and looked very good there. Now, the horse there, the Pete Aiello like, put in a huge late charge, and remember this horse because his name is Charge It. Big, good-looking son of Tappet. Again, the horse was coming out of a huge uh, maiden win. First appearance in a, in a graded stakes. He makes it a grade one. Not to be dismissed with the effort that he put in on Saturday. Charger got the second spot. And third was simplification. Classic Causeway, he's the head scratcher, set the pace and faded to last. Uh, that was shocked a lot of people in the Florida Derby. And then the uh, ladies, the Gulfstream Park Oaks, uh, the winner in there is the page that is stuck <laughs> next to this one. Oh, yes, of course. This is Kathleen O. Remember, we, we said, got us a fire installed at 9 to 5. You would think that's the favorite, right? No, got us a fire wasn't. Kathleen O, odds on. Uh, uh, Javier Castellano in the saddle for Shug McGahee. Rated in last after breaking a step slow and then settled in. Uh, turned into a Two-horse race with Goddess of Fire all the way down, but 
just pulled away under mild late urging. Kathleen O, Kentucky Oaks, remember that? And after Goddess of Fire, it was 17 and a quarter lengths back to running Legacy. And we almost forgot the boys out at Arkansas. Let's not forget Cyberknife, who earned all those points to pretty much ensure him a seat in the Kentucky Derby. Florent Giroux, Brad Cox, where is Flo going to go is going to be the big question. Now, uh, the Philly Secret Oath put in a huge race. She was last, put in a big move, too wide around the turn. God, she looks like a guy. Ended up finishing third uh, just behind Barber Road, who's uh, another horse that puts in a solid close late. They say those don't make derby horses, but I'll tell you what, I've liked this horse. Always been knocking on the door. To keep Barber Road in the back of your mind when somebody say, who's the long shot you like in the Derby? So that's a look at all that top action that we had last week. Uh, we're getting ready to get into our top action from this week. And coming up next, we got him to leave his corner. None other than Tom Quigley will be joining us here on Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, a man you know and a man I haven't had the chance to talk to. And I'm going to say about 10 years because I pulled his bio down last time I had him on air. And he probably doesn't do half the stuff he used to do back then. He probably does 
three times the stuff he did back then. It's just when uh, Twitter was gaining popularity. So how far back does that go? So with no further ado, the only man I know that has a place at a track named after him, and he's not dead yet, Tom Quigley. John, how are you, man? I'm not dead as far as I know, but we're inching closer to that finish line, aren't we? Well, you know, enjoy the 17th hole while we're on it, you know, swing away. Uh, We always got the 19th hole when it's over. I was just going to say, I usually spend most of my time in the 19th hole, but nevertheless, it's great to be with you. I'm old enough to remember when uh, Belterra Park used to be known as River Downs. That's how far back we go. But of course, I was the owner and publisher of Horse Player Magazine. Now I'm plying my trade out here in Southern California. And real quickly, John, let me say one important handicapping factor for this weekend that your listeners should pay attention to is the weather here in Southern California. Give you an idea at the tail of uh, two climates, whether you're east of the Rockies or west of the Rockies. I know you guys are experiencing some rain and cooler weather, but out here it's the exact opposite. We are hot and dry. Today's high temperature was 95 degrees. Tomorrow in Arcadia, California, is going to be 95 degrees again. And Saturday, which, of course, is our big day when we have our 12-race card, it's going to be 86 degrees. So a little bit of a cool-up. But the reason why I mention that is I would encourage your listeners both uh, tomorrow and even on the early part of the card on Saturday to pay attention to the main track races, simply because when it gets this hot, particularly at this time of year at Santa Anita, it's hard to keep moisture on the track. Of course, the trucks will be out there day and night watering it, but it just simply evaporates. And what that means is it tends to favor the early runners. It's harder for the come-from-behind horses to really have any sort of impact. They kind of get a lot of uh, throwback kicked into their face. And the speed, the early speed types kind of have an advantage. So whether that actually proves to be true come Saturday, we'll find out. But it's just something to pay attention to when, uh, when we resume racing tomorrow out at the Great Race Place. I love it, Tom Quigley, and that's why we brought you on to give us that inside info. And while we're on that subject, uh, does it in any way affect the grass racing? It doesn't, John, because that obviously has a deeper base and a little bit of ability to uh, really uh, absorb the moisture. You know, you know, having watched the races at San Anita, we pride ourselves we pride ourselves on having that turf course look like a pool table, and it's very well manicured. It never has any divots or ugliness to it that some other racetracks around the country have. So I don't expect the turf course to be affected. Of course, the turf course, as you will know. Is, is primarily a tactical jockey, uh, jockey-driven type of race. The better turf jockeys kind of stand head and heels above the other uh, jockeys in whatever colony you might be following. So I don't expect the weather to have any sort of direct correlation or impact on the turf course, but I do expect to have it uh, perhaps have an impact on the main track. Um. You, I've discussed this with a lot of my top guests, and I so I, I will briefly discuss it with you because we don't want to dwell on it. But uh, uh, my mother once taught German, and one, one of the sayings, and I'm probably screwing it up, was uh, when she lived in an apartment underneath somebody, it was, Wenn das hassen Sie Schuh fallen. And it's like the guy would sit on his bed every night, and he'd drop his first shoe, and be like, oh, she'd be okay. And she couldn't really go to sleep until where the hell's a second shoe? When's it going to drop? <laughs> and so um, the uh, I, I guess we were all wondering, the, the shoe is finally dropped. I think we're finally seeing what I have dubbed as the Bob Baffert transfer portal. Yes, um, I'm sure you've seen that most of us around and you will see this over the weekend, have been transferred to one of two trainers that are both based here in Southern California. One is Tim Yakin. Tim used to actually be an assistant for Bob Baffert way back when. His resume also includes being an assistant for Charlie Whittingham as well. He's married to the on-air host uh, Millie uh, Millie Ball or Camilla Yachtin, 
however you know her as when you watch the Sandy, the simulcast feed. So Tim does a very, very good job. He knows the Baffert program. He's got horses like Messier that we'll talk about in the Sandy Derby under his care now during the suspension. Bob's barn has been vacated. We've had other trainers like Ron Ellis after the Breeders' Cup follow this protocol as as well. So Bob won't be allowed on track. He's not allowed to have any interaction with any of the uh, new trainers. And so Tim will be taking over most of the string. The other trainer will be a trainer you might not have heard of named Sean McCarthy. You'll see this primarily on the Sunday card. Those entries were drawn earlier today. Sean will assume some of the training responsibility for some of the Bob Baffert runners as well. So a few are going back east as well, uh, but, the, but the majority will stay here in Southern California and fall under the tutelage of one of those two gentlemen. Now, uh, Tom Quigley, uh, I've seen you pop up on TVG and, and the, the, you know, the other feed coming out of San Nita every now and then, some of the other West Coast tracks. Um, what's your schedule these days? Well, what's a day in the life of uh, Tom Quigley besides uh, sitting in your corner having coffee? You know, I have the best job in the world, John, and I would encourage any of your listeners to kind of look me up either on Twitter, I'm an easy guy to find, or just call the switchboard at San Diego. But I've got multiple responsibilities, and it kind of brings me back to your days of hosting the regular guy uh, seminar show before the races. You would bring somebody on and basically talk about the races. That's what I do at, out at San Anita now on a daily basis prior to the races. You can watch it either online, live stream at the San Anita website, or you can catch it via the simulcast signal. But I try and invite different uh, personalities within the racing game. I have uh, Brad Free this coming Sunday. I have uh, Mike Ciani, who's the jockey agent for Ryan Curatolo, a new jockey here on tomorrow's uh, on tomorrow's seminar show. So that's kind of how I kick off my day. Then I also preview the pick six on the simulcast feed whenever that starts. And then maybe most importantly, I'm kind of like the casino host now at San Diego without there being a casino. I'm the VIP player concierge. I've got a private suite that I entertain all the high rollers in. And so it's a, it's a fun, but it's a full day. And uh, I love what I do, and I've got uh, the best office in the world, I tell everybody, because when you come into my office, which is the Eddie Logan suite, the private suite I refer to, you can gamble and drink in my office, and what's wrong with that? Oh, man, that that is fantastic. Well, that's good. Uh, l- l- let's just say on your gravestone, it'll say, <clears throat> a life well lived, because you uh, certainly have, Quig, I'll tell you that. Um, we're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time, and I know you follow that motto as well, John. Absolutely, absolutely. So, again, we're going to get on, especially the Derby and Oaks Press, but i got to ask you some more questions because I haven't seen you so long. The evolution of the existence and official name of Quigley's Corner, if you can catch me up. Yeah, sure. It's pretty simple, actually. Back in 2009, when nobody knew who, when nobody knew who Twitter was, and believe me, I'm no technological wizard. I'm not Bill Gates. I can barely turn on my computer, so I just happened to have the uh, foresight to see maybe this Twitter thing was uh, was something that I should take advantage of because I spent a lot of time in the paddock evaluating horse flesh, and inevitably my friends would text me and say, hey, who do you like in this race? Who do you like in that race? And when Twitter came along in 2009, I saw the application. Well, rather than answer every single text to my friends and uh, people around the country, why don't I just kind of establish a Twitter presence and uh, kind of answer their questions that way? So, of course, I'm very active on Twitter, uh, above and beyond the jobs I just described to you. I also put out on the uh, out on the paddock who I like best on Twitter, and so that's kind of a labor of love, and I've been doing that for a long time. So uh, that's kind of one of the things I've been doing. Of course, I was the owner and the publisher of the Horse Player magazine, but the Internet did change that, right? Obviously, you remember the days of uh, we all read newspapers and magazines, but once the Internet kind of uh, proliferated within our society, the uh, the printed word kind of uh, went uh, went by the wayside, and unfortunately the magazine did as well. So it was a good run. You knew a lot of the people that worked with me, including Jeff Sotman and some others, so... 
did that for 20 years, but now happy to be doing what I'm doing. And uh, it's obviously a labor of love, a labor of love also. Well, Tom Quigley, it sounds like your days are full. Well, you know, it, it seems like in so many of the last few years, uh, when it got to be around derby time, uh, this probably trend may change every decade or so, but it seemed like all the strong horses were coming uh, off the West Coast. And that may well still be the case, uh, though Bob's horses up until now haven't been able to uh, garner points uh, to get in the big race. But it looks like some of these horses now are maybe you know, you're coming out of uh, you know the fairgrounds or coming out of Gulfstream Park, and who knows what will come out of Kentucky this year. Do you see a slight uh, a balancing of the scales there as far as where the power base is for the, for the best horses? Well, that's a good question, and I think it definitely applies this year, John, because the key uh, the key thing to kind of keep in mind is what you just mentioned, really no Bob Baffert impact, right? And you talked about the West Coast dominance. Of course, Baffert led that charge. Doug O'Neill snuck in there a couple of times. John Sheriff with Giacomo did as well. But generally speaking, it's been Baffert leading that West Coast domination. So the interesting thing is, up until this point, if we were to freeze time right now before any of the races were run, some of the best buyer speed figures were run by the horses that you'll be seeing run in the Run Happy Sandy to Derby anywhere around the country, they were running triple-digit buyer speed figures, whether it was in their debut, in the case of uh, Taba, who's also drawn into the Sanita Derby, or in the case of Messier, who ran a 103 buyer speed figure in the Bob Lewis. So most runners in the Kentucky Derby this year have not run a tri- triple-digit buyer speed figure. Now, can they repeat that not only in the run-happy Sanita Derby this Saturday, but also in the Kentucky Derby? That's the million-dollar question of whether or not the West Coast will, be continue, will continue to dominate the Kentucky Derby We'll probably get a sense of whether they can in the, in the Sanita Derby this Saturday. If they regress or maybe even don't uh, emerge victorious, then all bets are off. And I do think maybe it becomes a bit more wide open of a scramble for horses either based uh, down in the south or back east. I, I don't know if you get this 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 question a lot. Uh, I, I know I do from people that go, oh, that's John. He's the horse racing guy. Um, and it could be the bank teller. Or, you know, maybe somebody I know uh, at the end of the bar or grocery store and just say, hey, this guy Baffert, man, yeah, they got him now. He'll never win another race, man. He's, from last the last article I read, he's having one of his greatest years ever winning at a 37% clip. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a polarizing topic, right? Because obviously, you know, it's kind of like a chicken and egg theory. What comes first, a success? Or is there something that doesn't meet the eye? And of course now... You know, he's, he's being punished and he has to accept his punishment. It's been uh, ruled, it's been adjudicated, as a matter of fact, by a court of law. And so he really has no other options to explore. So, you know, I, I think Bob is kind of like a very successful college coach because you have to keep in mind, you know, he gets really, really good talent. I'm not saying that he gets a superstar every single time a horse walks into his bar. And sometimes it might seem like that, but he's got a very successful program. He's got people around him like his assistant, Jimmy Barnes, who has been with him for years. It reminds me of Bobby Frankler, Charlie Whittingham, you know, most of the younger trainers on the circuit that, that aren't well-established, like, you know, Shug McGahee or, or some other trainers that come to mind. These people have been with Bob a long, long time. They understand his program, whatever that program might be. And, I mean, it's, been, it's had a worldwide impact. We just saw it happen in the Dubai World Cup where Country Grammar wound up winning. It was a, it was a lucrative trip to ship to the Mideast, both for the Saudi Cup and the Dubai World Cup, where, where medication is not allowed. So it's, like I said, it's a polarizing topic. I think he's good for the game. I think I think he's very glib and very articulate, and I think he's brought new people into the game. But, you know, he's going to have to reassess his his, uh, his impact on racing 
going forward and after serving his punishment, we'll see if, in fact, he's able to win at that high level that you just mentioned. You know, I guess sometimes I find myself being accused of being a defender, but again, I have to point out to these people, especially on specific things like betamethasone in a case where it wasn't a knee tapping thing. I'm trying to say, folks, what he's doing for these horses is ther- it's therapeutic medication. It's just not out of their system in time. He, you know, he's not giving them some kind of go-go juice an hour before the race. You know, these are things you do in, in, in training an athlete to get to a certain point. But you got to discontinue it. Now, you know, you and I are different sizes. If we took the same drug on a Monday and took a test on a Thursday, we'd probably test different. And, you know, Bob likes to play it close to that that line. And I think his foot was on the three pointer this time. Yeah, and I don't think he's the only one, right? We know as handicappers, some of the trainers that I think push the envelope won't go into any names right now, but we know who they are as handicappers. And, and you make a very good point, John, which I think needs to be explored because you and I both have spent a lot of time in the paddock. The, you know, no one is trying to abuse any animal or necessarily gain an edge, but the show has to go on and they can't talk to us. And so, you know, in basketball, when, uh, you know, when LeBron James tweaks a finger, He's able to bandage it up, put some ice on it, and, and move forward and play in a game. With a horse, it's almost similar, right? In other words, the, you know, depending upon the class level, they might put some ice on it, obviously using different medication, but still have the horse compete, and therefore it might not be at 100%. Because most athletes, no matter what level they're playing at, including college and professional, they're not at 100%. They might be at 95%. They might be at 90%. But it's an athletic endeavor, and I think sometimes we lose sight of that as fans and handicappers and horse players because, you know, we think they're just machines. We look in the racing formula and just say, oh, well, they ran a 89 buyer last time. They're going to run a 92 buyer this time. That's, that's, that's far from reality. And that's what makes the game so intriguing is because the horses can't talk to us and we have to kind of read between the lines and figure out what's happening and, and, and interpret as many variables into the equation as we possibly can. Well, I think that gives me a, a great lead in to, to the uh, Run Happy Santa Anita Derby in that I, I think what we've seen and, and, and what sharp handicappers are taking into account is what we call form cycles. And it's the same thing with a human being, with a human writer. Or, you, you, know, you, you train to a certain point and you get, you get to your optimum. And let's face it, all of a sudden you need to sit on the bench for a while and catch your breath. And I think right now what every trainer in America that – you know, holds the derby is the, the jewel, uh, is that the, the, the horse may not have come out run, running lights out first time out, but you're starting to see some of these horses really develop into form cycles. I watched it happen a lot last week, and it's kind of like, hey, they're peaking at the right time. So I guess my question for you coming into what we'll just call the Santa Anita Derby is, you know, normally when you see a horse morning line six to five, you're like, oh, forbidden kingdom. He's the favorite. Nah, baby, nah. Uh, he raced against Messier uh, back in the Bob Hope last uh, fall and didn't get the job done. Uh, Messier, who just, boom, looked like he was going to set the world on fire. Uh, you know, he tailed off just a little bit in the Los Al, different track, different situations. But, man, did he make a comeback last time. And you talk about those jumping up to a buyer. But a 20-point jump. That's huge, uh, winning by 16 lengths. But Forbidden Kingdom has barely taken a bad step throughout his career. Yeah, this is an interesting race, John, because as uh, most races go, and this is an axiom that most handicappers use, pace makes the race. And I think 
Forbidden Kingdom has kind of established that he needs a lead in order to uh, perform at his peak. And that was the big question for handicappers last time out on the San Felipe. Up to that point, he had never gone two turns. And you mentioned when Messier caught him in the Bob Hope. There were a lot of handicappers that said, you know what, I'm not sure he's going to be able to get the mile in his 16th distance in the San Felipe. And, you know, Richard Mandela, his trainer, is so conservative. He's the exact opposite of Bob Baffert. He is not living to basically get another win in the run for the Roses. He's never had one. But he only asks his horse to do whenever they're ready to do something. He's not going to push them. I think it speaks volumes that Richard Mandela has kept this horse on the Kentucky Derby and Triple Crown Trail, which I think indirectly tells you the horse is doing well. But because he is one-dimensional, I think that makes him a little bit vulnerable in the Sanita Derby on Saturday. And the reason why I say that is the horse that I referred to early on the bottom, Taba, was spectacular in victory, also earning a 103 buyer speed figure on debut. His final eighth of a mile, he came home in 12 seconds flat. He's obviously got a tremendous amount of early speed. Mike Smith is jockey. John Velasquez decides to ride Messier if there was a decision to be made there. But Mike Smith drawing the outside post has really no alternative other than to at least, if not force the pace, be on the pace early. And I think he's going to give Forbidden Kingdom pretty much all he can handle. I don't think either Jock wants to necessarily sacrifice their horse to lose the race in order to prove a point and basically have the lead no matter what. But I do think the pace is going to be contested. I do think it's going to be quick. And if that's the case, then I do think it sets up for Messier. I think John Velasquez is going to be very patient. I think he's going to let, I think he's going to kind of take a hold of Messier coming out of the gate, see what those other two jockeys that I just mentioned on Forbidden Kingdom and Taba do. And based upon that, then he's going to make a decision. But he's been training great for Baffert and Dory Yakteen, as you can see. The training up to this point has been in the Baffert barn, including that bullet work on March 27th. So all Tim has to do is put the saddle on, hopefully cross his fingers, and hope for the best. But I do think in a race, that probably doesn't beg a whole lot in terms of gambling value or necessarily something you want to get involved in parimutuel. I think it is going to tell us a lot about not only what Forbidden, Forbidden Kingdom can do, but also if Tabe is maybe as brilliant as he showed in his debut, because this is an aggressive move for the quote-unquote Baffert Barn, going straight from a maiden special weight into the run-happy Sandy Derby. That's a very, very aggressive move, and that's another indication that I think he's doing well. So I think it's going to be one of the three favorites. I think it's going to be Messier. But I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how the early pace develops. Well, just a, a little personal aside. Uh, 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 how, how do you pronounce his name? Tabia? Taba? Taba. 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 Um, 1.7 million dollars. Yeah, he he grew up 40 miles from my house uh, exactly in Ohio. Right. Uh, uh, Bruce Ryan is an Ohio breeder. Need more flattery was uh, two-time Ohio Horse of the Year. That's his dam. And uh, she won about $800,000, no slouch in her own right. And uh, all of a sudden to see him jump up and debut with a 103 buyer and now stretching him out to six, it'll be interesting to see, but it'll also be interesting to see if he's one of these horses that needs a little more seasoning. But I can just tell you from a personal standpoint, this horse has got some pedigree. You don't want to just poo-poo because it grew up in a farm in Ohio. All right, real quick, because my producer's saying Tom's great, but we need to find out who he likes in the Oaks. Going to make your job awful easy with five of them in there, but really not making it easy because I Easily can make a case for horses to beat uh, Adar Manor, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, previously trained by Bob Baffert, because you've got previously trained by, by, by Bob Baffert under the stars. And, uh, you know, perhaps a horse like Ain't Easy could surprise you. Uh, that could be one that uh, could be sitting on a winning effort. 
You know, prior to my segment, John, I heard you talking about Secret Oath, who obviously ran in the uh, Arkansas Derby. And also I'll throw in Echo Zulu, who obviously won down at Fairgrounds and it was, it was life or death that to odds on. Of all those runners, and obviously I'm biased, I'm a bit of a West Coast homer, Adair Maynard, who draws into the Sandy Oaks, I believe is the best three-year-old filly uh, in the country. She looks like a cult. She's huge, and she's in great hands. And her last two times when she ran around two turns, she won by double-digit lengths. And, of course, the field today, or I should say on Saturday, is not one that I think she'll have any problem dealing with. But I think come Kentucky Oaks Day, I think she's the Philly to beat. I think that's the day when you want to cash a wager on her. So a lot of the attention is going to be on the other two aforementioned Phillies I mentioned. Adair Maynard is an Amazon. She's a beast. I expect her to win very easily at morning line odds of 3-5 to five on Saturday. But more importantly, I think she's going to win the Kentucky Oaks. And I made that prediction prior to her breaking her maiden back on uh, uh, January 7th. I knew what she looked like. I knew that sprinting was in her game, and she's proven me right, and I expect her to continue that upward progress going forward. You heard it here, folks, on Winning Ponies, the one and the only Tom Quigley. Tom, promise me it's not going to be another 10 years before I hear your voice again. Let's shoot for Memorial Day weekend. We've got seven stakes races, including the Shoemaker Mile. Let's try and preview that weekend in in about six weeks from now. I'm running over to my calendar during the break. Thanks a lot, Tom. Be well and have a great weekend. My pleasure, John. Good luck to your listeners. All right. Take care. Going to take a quick break. And when we come back, a guy that you all know I admire. Yeah, it's Ed Meyer. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, now, gentlemen, that really needs no introduction because I get to introduce him here more than any other guest that we have. He's our most popular requested return guest 
the one and the only Edward Meyer. Ed, it was great to see you over the weekend. John, it's always a pleasure to see your smiling face. But I got a, I got a quiz question before we even kick anything off. What happens in 29 days, 3 hours, 17 minutes, and 48 seconds? Um, shush, how many seconds? Uh, 40, 40 seconds now. I'm going to say the Kentucky Derby. I'm going to say the yeah, Kentucky Derby. Am I going out on a closing in on it? I, know, I was telling that to Quigley. I'm like, can you believe it? I said, this is the last weekend. The last three 100 points races uh, are, are this weekend. And we already just covered one. We're going to cover two with you and, and the girls' version. But before we quickly get on to those races, um, I want to ask you uh, two questions. Number one, what you thought about the Jeff Ruby Stakes. And number two, what what I thought was a surprise announcement by trainer Ken McPeak. The Jeff Ruby, in my opinion, I think I think was a very nice, well put together race for for six hundred thousand dollars. John up for grabs. I I I couldn't pick it apart if you if you really put me to task. I think Tis the Bomb really ran a big big race. B.J. Hernandez aboard. For your man Kenny McPeak, your long friend in racing, and uh, I was very impressed. It, it got down and dirty. Uh, they got right on their bellies and they got right to the wire. And B.J. Hernandez got the best part of the deal. Tis the bomb looked just that as the as the uh, the favorite who did not disappoint. Three wide move cleared off. It went by a little over two lengths. I think Tis the bomb. It, it's a head scratcher now, but you know the, I guess. I guess the big question is now, will that tapita form transfer to the dirt? I know. I mean, was the holy bull an aberration? Uh, all, you know, when you go back and look when he tried to bride, uh, break his maiden uh, on the dirt, he just doesn't like him. I think he's just so fit and feeling so good. And you know what? I, I, I looked this up, Ed. They only run the Kentucky Derby once for three-year-olds. So yeah. that's a fact. That's a fact. So I was going to say, <laughs> if, if you're going to do it – with your three-year-old, now's the time. You, you really would be hard-pressed to pick apart the race of Tis the Bomb, well-timed. And the Tapita really plays to about anywhere from fourth to sixth place, right mid-flight, and they kind of stock right off the lead for the most part. Now, you will have that occasional from that Silky Sullivan sword from out of the clouds, and you'll have a lot of uh, uh, bucks who go wire to wire. But in fact... I, I saw this one. It was very formful, very impressive, very glad for Ken McPeak and B.J. Well, Hernandez. Uh, I actually, a friend of mine asked me uh, earlier in the day, they said, uh, well, who do you think would be the, the big standouts? I said, I think it's going to be the Ken McPeak show. And I said, I also thought that Jersey Joe Bravo would do good with his couple mounts. And actually they did. I hope, I hope somewhere they cashed. Well, uh Let's see while I'm talking to you. I'm ferreting out. Uh, un- unbelievable day, both at Aqueduct and Keeneland. Uh, uh, I know you've probably got Keeneland already memorized, so I'm, I'm going to jump over to New York real quick. And uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the wood. Uh, people forget how many really great horses have come out of this races over the year. Eight have, have, have been entered. Of course, this is one of the big uh, – you know, 100 points. The top two are probably punching their ticket, and uh, 
in this field, it looks like, you know, even the odds maker, he was kind of split between uh, uh, Morello and, and early voting and Mo Donegal. And you could probably make a case for any one of those horses. You could probably make a case for four or five, John, just as you said. If I had to bet a quarter, uh, it would be uh, you and Mo Donegal uh, would be uh, would be all, all together there. I I know you're you're true to form on that one, so I, that's that's where I would actually lean for you. But uh, I'll tell you what, you tell me who you like in there because I'm I'm still I'm still tossed between about three or four. Uh, well, Morello obviously uh, proven at Aqueduct, uh, three starts, three wins, got faster every single uh, a buyer. Asmussen and uh, Classic Empire is catching on as a young sire. This is his first crop of three-year-olds, and they're starting to click. So, yeah, he he he's a, a deserved favorite at, at the window. Uh, the fly in the ointment that I like a little bit is early voting. Uh, Jose Ot's riding for Chad Brown, who's had more horses on the Derby Trail than I've ever seen. Yes, and and in fact, you you've hit on a good one that's going to be part of my. Actually, those are two parts of my exact. I usually box three, but for me, my, my top pick is going to be Modonigal, and I'm going to go right to the rail, John. And it's been a little over two months; hasn't raced. It was a beaten favorite in the Grade Three Holy Bull, but since that time, went to Palm Beach Downs and has worked two blazing bullets here. I really like this here. Everybody throws in a clunker. Let's throw it in now. Three-year-old son of Uncle Mo, Todd Pletcher, Joel Rosario drawing the rail. I really like this bullet works. The, the win in the Remsen caught my eye going a mile and an eighth, and that really gave me something to grab a hold of here. But I'm going to toss out the Holy Bull. It was a slow break. Idle, it says in the comments. Late gain, which in fact was true, but off to a bad start. Everybody has a bad day at the office. I'm going to give Modonigo on that one. But if I did two and Joel Rosario, if you get near that, it would be a surprise. Yeah, and as you know, you're judged by the company you you keep. And, uh, you, you know, he, he's been right in there with races with Wright Aberario and Simplification, two horses that are uh, predicted to easily make it into the starting gate. And uh, so many people, he hasn't won recently, but he's always there. That, that Zandon. Uh, uh, he he just beat him by a nose, and that Zandon. A lot of people are saying he's the wise guy who works for the Derby. So uh, you make some very good points on Mo. We get a, better get moving along. Ed. I gave you a very heavy task. Uh, the Gazelle, three-year-old fillies, could be Oaks bound, and uh, at seven to five, Venti Valentine uh, is coming in here off a seven-league win in the Busher, which is the uh, stepping stone to this race. You know, this one for me, another head-scratcher. Uh, Aqueduct, with all the riders, it's, it seems like it's just a, a hodgepodge of riders flying in, flying out, and going places. And it really took a – for me, I factor that into my handicapping a lot. But would, it, would I be a chalk-eating weasel to say I like Venti Valentine, Manny Franco, 7 to 5? No, you wouldn't because he's got a beat classy edition. Exactly. And I – I, I think this, this could be, for me, it could be a small try. It could be a small superfective if, in fact, you know, if you hold any odds or value up there. But Manny Franco actually came in town to Turfway Park, and, and I spoke to him twice. And what a gentleman and, and a true 
true blue rider right down to the tip of his boots. I really have a whole lot of respect for his. He, he's in a tough area, John. He's in a tough area. When you're riding in New York, when everybody's up there and all the big namers, Manny Franco, he's still a 16% rider. I really like this 7-5 to five shot here, the 3 Philly by firing line. Jorge Abreu is the trainer here, 2 for 2 in the money at Aqueduct. I'm going to say we're going to be 3 for 3 and another win at 7-5. to five. All right. You're hearing it from the man who wears many, many hats. As many hats as you see at the Kentucky Derby, he wears at the racetracks where he works. And one racetrack he worked at was a beautiful Keeneland race course. All right, Ed, we're staring at seven minutes, so I'll let you split your time. going to throw it uh, in your court. Uh, the Central Bank Ashland, $600,000. The girls can get in the starting gate for the Kentucky Oaks. And what in the hell are you going to do with Florent Giroux and Brad Cox? They're going to have three horses in the Oaks and the Derby. Oh, they are locked and loaded. And, you know, I don't think having enough horse flesh is there. It's just keeping them all happy and sound and getting them there and polish off at, uh, on the big day there. I came out of on Friday. Now, I, I checked with uh, the racing office center today. Uh, the track looked very nice. There was a lot of wind, so you can expect a fast track probably tomorrow unless they get a deluge of rain. And I heard they also took the turf rail down for our, our turf racing uh, handicappers out there. So those are all good signs there So for opening day. For me, John, on, on Friday here, I like the six happy soul. John Velasquez, 5-2 to two for Wesley Ward. One for one in the money here at Keeneland. And that was the second place finish, but they were only sprinting four and a half furlongs over a sealed, sloppy track. So other than that, wins by 11, wins by 11, wins by three. I think Happy Soul is going to be awfully tough to catch this real Philly by Run Happy. And we know that Wesley Ward loves to win at Keeneland. Yeah, he, his his, uh, his home base is not very far from there. He loves it, and Keeneland loves him, except for when he is a two-year-old in a four-and-a-half furlong race because it's the only <laughs> horse to bet on. <laughs> so... Uh, let's go uh, to a race that, uh, you know, is is getting its luster back, shall we say, and that would be the uh, legendary bluegrass. You know, people forget about it in its heyday, and I think a lot of that had to do with the, uh, the surface switch there. And uh, now they're back to the dirt, and I think that the bluegrass is going to regain its uh, stature of old. Back to a grade one event, we're at a million dollars. We're not talking chump change, and you, you really, you really got to look hard. And for me, John, I'll tell you what, I'm going to blow up the tote board. I am going to really light one up here. I'm going to give you one out that, in fact, if it plays, you need to play it over and over. I'm going to go with Black Adder, who scratched out of the Jeff Ruby stakes last week. It was 15 to 1, but now 20 to 1 gets Florent Giroux for Rodolphe Brissette. And Rudy, as he goes by, was really high on Blackadder. He actually kind of, towards the end of the meet, kind of put everything down and went into training mode and keeping everything just just on top of the table where he could control it and looking ahead here. I think they were looking for something special for this real cold of quality road. And if you take a look at the last race, it was on the Tapita surface at Golden Gate in the El Camino Real Derby. 
they do not close from dead last, but in fact, this cold did. And it wasn't exactly 11th, but it was 7th, and it was far back, and I went back and watched it three times, and I'm really, really high on Black Adder. Seldomly does somebody really just finger out a 20-to-1 shot and say, that's my pick. But today, I'm doing it. I love the trainer. Rudy Brissett is a class act. Florence Giroux, he's only winning 20% on the year. He's whirled off two straight wins. I see a third one coming here really close in his future. I would love to see some points go his way for the Derby Gate. Black Adder at 20 to 1. Give me all you got. Wow. 20 to 1. That's, uh, that, that's uh, kind of hard to believe, actually. Uh, but what 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 a day in there! You know, you got so many races that used to be spread out, like the Commonwealth, the Lafayette, uh, the Transylvania, uh, and then uh, let's see now. Well, and those are all uh, these are going to be run tomorrow, and then and then we move on to the Saturday race. It's it's just going to be uh, an unbelievable card. Well, g- give me somebody to go. I got like. Uh, uh, Two minutes here, maybe some action to put in with your top pick here uh, in the bluegrass. Liked Emmanuel a whole lot at nine to two for the Todd squad. Todd Pletcher, a real nice race in the Fountain Youth against Simplification. John strung out wide, was hung out five wide, ran a good even fourth. That middle race now. Pay heavy attention to stakes races. They're not allowed to carry Lasix. That was a Lasix race at optional claiming seventy five two back ran without lasix last time i think you gotta you gotta clean the system out you gotta come out straight i see a lot of speed from emmanuel luis saez you know he's he's only winning 23 percent with speed horses that's one of my horses and then i'd be remiss if i didn't say the four zandon for chad brown and is going to be coming off the pace and if you saw go back two races who beat him modonical yeah, and l- last time he got uh, beat by a nice little horse by the name of Epicenter, uh, yes, who who came back and uh, and uh, did uh, 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 fairly well in the Arkansas Derby, shall we say? Uh, I guess two horses that, uh, and I've only got a minute left, that, but uh, I guess this is their last t- chance to prove whether or not they're ready at his three-year-olds, and that would be Rattle and Roll and Smile Happy. Well, I'm I'm always rooting for the uh, the Run Happy Runners. That guy's put a lot of put a lot of money into the game. I'm always rooting for Kenny McPeak, and you know those oh, are too. those are you know uh, horses that uh, you know just uh, you know rattle and roll. They had him picked as perhaps the Derby winner after his big win at the Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland, going a route, uh, you know, and uh, and smile happy. He was at one point the money favorite in the Kentucky Derby. But I guess only a second place finish in there will put a little, uh, give you a little bit of a black eye. Well, anyhow, I am just finding out from my friend Nears Matt that uh, as much as I love Ed, you've got to say goodbye to him, John. So, Ed, I love <laughs> you, but I'm going to say goodbye to you, okay? Only for now, John. Hey, best of luck to all your listeners out there. Pay attention to these guys, they know what they're talking about. And that's why we bring on guys like Ed Meyer to be with us. Thanks so much for Tom Quigley. It was great uh, catching up with him. want to remind you, 18 race stakes races, folks, graded stakes races. Pull down the easy win form. You need all the help you can get. We hope we, you gave us some tonight. And uh, 
we thank you very much for joining us here on Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.